understand who he was. Right? Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Everybody say, that's me. To offer up spiritual sacrifices, not just any kind of sacrifices, spiritual, godly sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Who is that chief cornerstone tonight? Jesus Christ. Verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same has become, is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to those that choose not to believe, to those that make their choice in life, right? Nobody has to serve God, do they? You get to, right? But some people just don't want to make that decision right now, or they make their decision without really thinking about what they're doing, but they've made their decision. And so it says in, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. The very word, they stumble at it. They wrestle with it. It, 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 it goes against everything that they believe in their flesh. Right? Some of us were like that. When we first heard this, it went against everything that we thought we believed was right. Amen? Whereunto also they were appointed. In verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation. Talking to the church. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. God, God chose us. He set us apart. He, had, he has a special purpose in mind for everybody's life. You know, the Bible says that every soul is basically predestined to serve God in his mind. He, he thinks the best of us, whether we're in this or out of it. He's thinking the best of every soul that's out there. But they're not making the decision to accept him, receive him, serve him, come to him, and do things his way. And so they've made their choice. And so it says, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises. We should show forth the praises. We don't keep it to ourselves. We show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10. Which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We can't do this without him. We can't even shine the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ without Him being inside of us. We can try. I mean, the Word of God is the Word of God, and you can preach it. 
But the Bible says that the love of Jesus Christ is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Not by our human effort and will, but by the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and, there, and there in, in verse 9, it's got that word there, the very first word in verse 9. But. What is the word but? Anybody, any English scholars in here? What's the word but in the English language? B-U-T, but. Anybody? Man, we got a school teacher in the room not even answering. But she must have been reading my notes. She is reading. But is a linking word. We use but to link items which are the same grammatical type. Coordinating, it's called a coordinating conjunction. It coordinates one thought with another. Right? But is used to connect ideas that contrast. So when Peter was writing this letter, that's why I went back to verse 1 instead of just reading verse 9. I wanted to read verse 1 through 10 because I wanted us to see this in the context of what he's saying. You who were sometimes at the very beginning, we were, we had all these issues and we had all this stuff going on in our life. We weren't serving God. He was trying to, he was doing a comparison. He said, but now, but, he gives us this big laundry list of stuff, but then he says, but now, you're not that anymore. You're, you're this. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a, a holy, a peculiar people. We're set apart. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to get saved and then just go sit on the pew and wait for Jesus to come. All right? If we're a peculiar people, if we're a, a, a royal priesthood, then we've got some, we've got some privileges. The priesthood had some privileges. They, they got some special stuff. If we're, if we're the sons of our heavenly father, the son wears the royal ring of the father. And that's the seal that he uses to seal the, the envelopes and his seal is, is golden. It, it's his authority. Just like the prodigal when his father gave him that ring. He gave him all the authority that the, that he himself as the father and the owner of the property had. And so we are that royal priesthood. He has set us apart. He has placed in us not just the Holy Ghost, but all that comes with that. All that power. All that authority. All of that, all that comes with the Holy Ghost, all the attributes of God, not all of God, because there's no way all of God could fit in anybody, because He, He doesn't only fill space and time, He is space and time. But He fills us with all the, a measure of the attributes that are in Him. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, and all those things, we have to shed those things abroad. We have to radiate those things. That word radiate, we're talking about a radiant life tonight. That word radiate is a verb. It means to extend, to spread, or to move like rays or radii. 
from, from a center to emit rays as of light or heat. Irradiate. Does, does a little light bulb put off heat and light? Anybody ever heard of a Susie Bake oven? You're old enough, you know what I'm talking about. It was a little plastic oven that they, you bought your kid and you put a 40 watt bulb in there and they could mix up a little cake in a little pan, a little tiny pan, a little cake mix with some water and they could put it in that pan and stick it in that little Susie Bake oven and that little 40 watt light bulb would bake that cake. So that little 40 watt bulb could create enough heat to bake a cake. What kind of heat, what are we radiating when we get outside this building? When we get around those people that we're at work with, that we run into at the store, that we, we might only have that one chance meeting if we're traveling and we just happen to, you know, happen into the gas station at the truck stop and you don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what life has dealt them today, but why not go in that door with just carrying the Holy Ghost with you all the time and just let that be a blessing to them when you walk out the door. Let them turn to their other employee and say, did you feel that? Did you feel that when that lady was in here? Did you feel that when that guy walked up to the counter? I've never felt nothing like that before. And that was weird, wasn't it? They don't know what they don't know. I want to radiate that. The word radiant we're using in our in our lesson tonight. The word radiant is an adjective. And it means emitting rays of light, shining, bright, bright with joy, hope, etc. And I'm not talking about just this put on joy and all this. We can't, you can't fake the joy of the Holy Ghost. You just can't fake it. You can try. But people can tell the difference. But if you've truly got the joy of the Holy Ghost, if you really have the joy of the Lord in your life, if you really have His peace, that passes all understanding. You're not even going to have to try, Sister Linda. It's just going to it's just going to flow out of you and radiate out of you everywhere you go, and and it's just going to move stuff out of the way when you walk in the room spiritually. That's just what I believe, and I want I don't want them to see me. I want them to feel and see Jesus when I walk in the room. I want them to feel the Jesus in me. Yeah, they're going to see me in my face, you in your face, in our, our physical structure, but I want them to feel something when they walk in my house because I've just been had an attitude of prayer in my home. I want them to walk in my home. One of our elders in our organization, Stan Gleason, talked about, <clears throat> I believe it was in one of our camps up in, in Eau Claire, he was talking about when they had to sell one of their homes in Kansas City. He said the people that bought the home a couple weeks later said, he saw them again or something, and his wife said, what, what did you all do in this house? She's like, what do you mean? Like, we didn't kill anybody. She's like, no, it's just, there's just something about this house. It's just so peaceful and just so, oh, and she said, oh, oh, well, we prayed all the time in our own. Oh, she's like, that's what it is. And th this home buyer just could not put her finger on it. And brother and sister um, Gleason just they didn't even they didn't even think twice about it. 
and it, it had to like they had to remind themselves, oh yeah, we pray in here. And they thought they thought, wow, we really left something behind there. And so don't we want to do that? Don't we want to radiate the love, the mercy, and the grace of God? Uh, you know, I'll never forget when we first got in church, my wife and I in Okinawa, that I can't tell you the number of times the people that came in to this truth and found truth and found this salvation, the words that came out of their mouth in 90% of the people was, I felt the love of God here. I just felt so loved here. That's what they said. And, that, and that, when I thought about it, that's how we felt. First and foremost, we felt love, whether it was by the people or by God. And if, and if they were letting the love of Jesus Christ be shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost, they're, they're not loving us with their love. They're loving us with His love. If you look that word up in that Scripture, we might get to that one here in a minute. It's actually the word agape, which is God love. Because it's not, I can't love people with my love. Right? There's some people I don't want to love out there. <laughs> right? Anybody else? There's some people I just don't feel like I want to love them. Let somebody else love them. But that's not what Jesus did. And so I, the kind of love that he had for souls and for people when he walked on this earth, that's the kind of love. That's what I pray for, God. Let me love them like you loved them. Give me your love today when I go out this door so that they can feel your love. Give me the, the capacity and the ability to, to show mercy like you showed mercy. Right? So in the ministry, everybody say ministry, that each of us has, we all have a ministry. You might not be called to be a pastor. You might not be called to be a pastor's wife. You might not be called to a specific, like, preaching ministry. But every single one of us was given a ministry when we received the Holy Ghost. Because didn't we receive a commission? If I'm not mistaken, we all received a great commission, didn't we not? To go where? To go. To go, not on our own, not with our, not with our own intellect, not with our own thoughts. He told his disciples, go into all the world and preach what? The gospel. The good news. The love of Jesus Christ. Hey, Jesus loves you. He loved me. Let me tell you about it. He wants us to do that. So he, each of us has been called to this ministry, our, and it's our responsibility to shine the light of the Lord Jesus Christ who dwells in, in us by His Spirit. We are supposed to radiate or shed forth His light through shedding His love abroad by the Holy Ghost. And I might repeat that more than once tonight, but we need to get that. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-9. through 1 Corinthians 3, 1-9 says, And I, brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? He's talking to the church, folks. 
He's saying this to the church people. To the believers, he's saying this. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? These aren't anybody special. That's what he's telling them. We're nobody special. We're just called like you are. Who then is Paul and Apollos but ministers? Look up that word ministers. It means servants. A servant is just they washed their feet when they came in the door and they waited on people like a waiter in a restaurant. Servants. That's what Paul and si- that's what Paul and Apollos are. We're just servants by whom you believed. By what you believed because we came in here as ministers, as servants of God, and preached this to you so you could have something to believe. Even as the Lord gave to every man that ministry, right? I have planted, Paul says, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. We got our part to do. We have our role in this thing. God's got his role. It's not our job to do God's job, is it? (laughs) It's not. It's our job to do our job. We plant, we water. We plant, we water. We plant, we drop seeds of the Word, we drop little nuggets to people, we show them some love, and then we water. We go home, we pray over that. Pray, God, now that that seed that I dropped, would you just cause that seed to find some good ground in that individual? And God, so that seed would begin to deal with them. And you know, it, uh, sometimes all it takes is one scripture that you leave with somebody, and then you go in home and you cover that in prayer, and that thing will eat them alive. Am I right? That's, Lord, make them think about it all day and all night. Cause them to see it on a billboard or whatever. You know, pray. Just pray over that. Pray over that. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. We're just servants. We're just planters and waterers. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We're working, we're in this together. We're, we gotta radiate his love together. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Where does our reward come from? From God. I don't want a reward down here. I want my reward up there. Great is your reward in heaven according to your labor. Sounds like work to me. Does that sound like work to anybody? It's not work if you're doing it for the Lord. It's it's a joy. It's a pleasure. You you can't wait to do it. For we are laborers together. There's two words that have just rocked some people's world, right? We're laborers together. We're doing this together. We're radiating His love together. With God. Without Him, we can do nothing. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. 
He's the head. We're the body, right? Amen. Second Corinthians 4, 1 through 7. Second Corinthians 4, 1 through 7. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as ye have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. That word conscience, I believe in the Greek it means co-perception. Co-perception. It's kind of like we have to kind of get along with God a little bit on this, all right? Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. What we say and what we do can make a difference in somebody's life. We all know what the conscience is, right? That's that little thing that just bugs you and, and nags at you when you're about to do something you know you're not supposed to. And it'll just kind of, you know, what? that's the Spirit of God, I believe. Just, just kind of convicting you and saying, are you sure you want to do that? But if our gospel be hid, it's our gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's ours to share. It's ours to, to do whatever we got to do with it. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. I was there once. It was hid from me. Somebody had to radiate that gospel, that light to me. In whom the God of this world, who is that? Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. He's blinded their minds and they don't even know it. They don't even know that they need to be saved. They don't even know that they don't know that they need to be saved. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Shine unto them from where? From us. For we preach not ourselves. It's not about me, Brother Richard. It's not about me. It's, I can't make it about me. i got to be careful that I don't make it about me when I'm trying to share the love of God. I just need to make it about Him. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined our heart in our hearts to give the light of the God and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, these old clay pots that we all carry around with us. We have His treasure, the treasure of the Holy Ghost, the treasure of His love and all of His attributes. We have those things inside of us when we receive the Holy Ghost. The only way that we can accomplish what He's called us to do is by Him leading us to do it and guiding us and directing us and giving us strength to do it. That the excellency of the power may be of who? God and not of us. It ain't about us. Don't be, don't get caught trying to steal God's glory. He don't like that. I want Him to get the glory in. You know, and I, I find it hard sometimes to hear people say, I did a great job preaching or teaching. Because 
I didn't do anything. I just got up here and did what he said to do. I want to get, I want you to give him the glory for it. Cause it's his word. It's his spirit. I'm his servant. Give him the glory. Thank God that he sent somebody to speak to you. Cause I, there was a day when I, th- I thanked God for God sending a man all the way around the world to speak to me and tell me what I needed to hear. Amen? We're his body, aren't we? So the body's connected to the head, and so the head controls the body, and so we are, we're his body. We need to radiate him. We need to show forth him. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. Therefore, lay, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and and of doctrines of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. What does that scripture mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means to me. We're, we're, we have this, we, we come to this place in our life where we, we, we have the light comes on. And, and the revelation hits us that Jesus is God and that if we don't get baptized in Jesus name, we are not, we're not going anywhere but straight down. And so we make our move and we, we, we release our hands from that pew and we walk up to that altar and, and some life changing things happen in our life. And life's never the same after that. Right? But we can't stay there. You can't stay in first grade. Right? You can't stay in second grade. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but you can't stay in fifth grade. I used to, I never wanted to leave eighth grade because I was afraid of high school. Then when I got in high school, I couldn't wait to get out of there. But then when I got to senior year and almost a week before graduation, it was a scary time again. Because now what am I going to do? I'm all done with school. Do I go to college? Do I, what happened? I grew up. You imagine somebody my size sitting in first grade? <laughs> I got to do that for a while down here subbing as a TA sub in Northside Elementary. I got to go down and sit in the first grade classroom. <laughs> and I can't fit in those chairs. <laughs> if I do get down there, I can't get up because, you know, it's way down there. My knees won't work way down there. And so we can't stay there. We got to move on. God wants us to grow, right? We can't just stay a new convert our whole walk with God, can we? Right? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine our pastor still acting like a new convert? No. That's silly. Right? We expect people to grow in the natural. And when they don't, we might not say it out loud, but we might think it. Man, I wish they'd grow up. That guy, how old is that guy and he's still acting like a teenager? Right? We say that to ourselves or out loud and we see people acting silly and act, not acting their age. I wish they'd act their age and not their shoe size, right? And so we, we, we say that in the natural, but we need to, we need to practice that in the spiritual too. 
Does, do you think God wants us to grow in him? Grow, Because he says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that, doesn't that somebody say that somewhere in the Bible? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not, not of yourself, not with enticing words of men's wisdom, Paul said, but in the power of God. Grow in the power of God. Grow in your relationship with him. How do you how do you develop a relationship with somebody? You, you know, you get married and you're newlywed, and you don't you don't just say, "I told you once that I loved you, and if I change my mind, I'll tell you." You just don't do that, <laughs> not for very long. But you, that young married couple, develops their relationship throughout their entire time that they're together. They grow with each other, right? And pretty soon, when you, if you get old enough, you can you start almost looking like each other. <laughs> but you can finish each other's sentences. And, you know, and I want to know God so deeply like that that, that I know what he's going to say in this situation because I've already heard him say it before. Where I'm not thinking Vince's thoughts, I'm thinking Jesus' thoughts, right? Don't you want that? Romans 5, 1 through 5. Hallelujah. Therefore, being justified by faith. Thank God he gave us that measure of faith, right? That we could trust in him. We could, we could trust him enough to, that he, what he said he would do, he did in our walk. He filled it. He did. He promised us the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we would come and repent, he said he'd do it. Guess what we found out when we came to an altar? God keeps his word. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through, through that salvation experience that the only manifestation of God you'll ever see is Jesus Christ. He's the same God as the God in the Old Testament. He just manifested himself to the world in the body of, in the flesh of a man. Amen? By whom also ye have access by faith unto this grace. What's grace? I know it's unmerited favor. But what is it really? Grace, we've talked about this. Brother Parker's talked about this before. Grace is receiving something you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving something you do deserve. Oh, Mom, please don't whoop me. Okay, that's mercy. And, son, I know you were bad last week, but I went ahead and bought you this new toy anyway because I love you because I'm your mother. That's grace. What is she doing? She's sending a message to her son. You're going to be all right. You might mess up back here, but... I'm still going to love you anyway, and I'm going, to, I'm going to empower you to even do better. I'm going to reward you because I know that with this, you, you might just decide you want to be more obedient. God wants to empower us to do his will, right? Hallelujah. Unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations work. Pay. Do we? 
Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Let me call my sister. Let me call my brother and tell him I, I'm going through tri- tribulation. I just wanted to call and tell you and see if he'd shout with me for a minute. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, brother. I'm shouting with you on the other side of the phone here. Oh, hallelujah, God. Thank you for the tribulation. We don't do that. No, we don't. I don't know anybody that does that. But what does it say? We glory. We we get excited in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation, we know. Talking to the church, okay, in Rome. We know that tribulation does what? Works patience. Our people have said for years, don't pray for patience. Right? Because if you pray for patience, get ready for tribulation. God's going to work it in you. You're going to learn patience. And patience, once you have learned patience, this patient sort of enduring through and and kind of getting up under the tribulation instead of God, praying God get you out of this, God get me through this. I'm going through this tribulation, God. Teach me the lesson so I can get out from under this and learn the next one. So that patience experience, right? So when the next tribulation comes, he got me through the last one, right? He'll get me through this one. We start, we start getting experience and experience hope. I don't know if that's hope. Like I hope he puts me through another one. <laughs> but if, if that's what it takes to be saved, I want him to put me through another one. Right? Don't you? I want to be perfected. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is. Not was, not might be, not could be, but is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Not by us. We just let the, we let the Holy Ghost just work through us. Right? Which is given unto us. Right? Hallelujah. Last scripture tonight, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. He's wanting us to radiate him tonight. Amen. We're talking about having a radiant life. Right? It's not something we put on. You can't put, you can't fake this. You can't put it on. You're either real or you're not real. Right? You're either genuine or you're not genuinely in love with Jesus Christ. You can't fake it. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. We were out there, man. We were out there. Some new convert, somebody walk in here, none of us knows. They're a foreigner and a stranger to us, right? That's how we, that's how we were. We, we didn't belong in here. Many were there. I don't belong in there. Get me out of here as quick as I can. Right? These people are crazy. They're nuts. What, why did I come here? We've all been there. Where's the door? Where's the bathroom? I gotta get out of here. But it was the love. We just couldn't shake that, right? It's just we kept coming back. Like a moth to a flame, we kept coming back. Right? 
but we are fellow citizens with the saints. He's grafted us in. He made us part of the family. We're adopted. We get all the privileges of the regular kids and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. we got to have our foundation, don't we? He's Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And we read that scripture earlier. It said we are lively stones. So I don't know about you. I want to be a lively stone, but I want my stone to sit on Jesus' stone. I want my everything I do based on him, his foundation. What was the foundation of the apostles and the prophets? Jesus Christ. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth. The whole building grows together. The whole church grow, has to grow together. You might be in a different stage of growth than me, and I might be in a different stage of growth than you, but we all got to be growing together. Right? Fitly framed. He fitly framed us together. He knows who needs to be next to who. He might have set you next to somebody on the bus you don't like. Right? Whoever who rode the bus to school and you hated the fact that you had to get on the bus every day because they made you sit by that boy or that girl, and you the last thing you want to do is sit by that boy or that girl because all the, your buddies talked about you when you got to school. It wasn't your choice. That's where they made you sit. God fitly joins us together. He knows, he knows what he's doing. Groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Is he inhabiting us tonight? Are we just coming here punching our clock and doing our due diligence and our duty and, okay, I did my church. I did my time. Clock in, clock out. Do we do that? Do we do that? If you feel convicted, that's that's not me. We gotta be. We gotta ask ourselves: Am I doing that, God? Has it become mechanical? In whom you are also builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. There was no light in me before I came to God. The Bible says that the light that was in me was what? Darkness. Right? Anybody ever read that before besides me? The light that was in us was darkness. It was darkness. Can you pull up Acts 26, 28, 13, I think? 26, 13. 2613. The Apostle Paul. Talk about a guy that was in darkness. The only, what was he radiating? Jewish religious tradition. That's all he was radiating. He had no Jesus. He had no spirit. He had, all he was radiating was the Jewish religious tradition of that day. His will. He just wanted to be top dog, and so he was going to do whatever he could, and he was going to show everybody that he was the best Jew going, and he was going to, he was getting those letters, and he was going to those houses, and bringing those people to prison, and 
and doing all that stuff and persecuting the church. And he thought he was right. He thought he was right. But when God got a hold of him, he found out not only was he not right, but he was in darkness. Because the Bible says that the that God put scales on his eyes to make him blind for three days. Now, I've never been blind. But we when I was in my early twenties I went I worked for the school district in Louisville and we had these students that were blind that I was in this program and so me and my buddy had to go to this pool that was at this one school and we had to get in the pool with them and we had to put blindfolds on and pretend to be blind. And it was the weirdest thing to now we want you to get in the pool and lead them around. Really? It was an it was an experience. We we were able to do it because I knew the pool because I got to see it before I put the blinders on. But the, those blind people they've been blind since birth. They don't know any kind of light. And so Paul was in darkness. And he says here at midday, O King, I saw <clears throat> in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It's Why are you pushing back against the will of God, Paul, Saul? And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But arise and stand upon your feet, for I have, this is Paul's testimony, by the way. He's talking to King Agrippa. This is his testimony. He's telling his testimony. This is what happened to me. But rise and stand upon thy feet. This is what God said to him. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. I didn't just do this to scare you, Paul. I didn't just do this to show off to your friends here. I, I, I'm, I'm coming down to you with this bright light because I got a proposition for you, Paul. Saul. To make thee a minister and a witness both to these things which thou hast seen. Here's the kicker. And to those things which I will appear unto thee. I'm going to tell you about some stuff that you're going to do that you have seen. But there's going to be some other stuff that I ain't going to tell you about yet. Delivering thee from the people. You got to get, he's got to get him away from the people first. And from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. It sounds almost like doublespeak, doesn't it? I'm taking you away from him, Paul, because I'm going to do some stuff to you over here, and then I'm going to send you back to talk to them, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness. Who's he talking about? The Gentiles, right? To turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan under the power of God. So what's the darkness Power of Satan, right? The light is power of God. So people are in darkness. What's that scripture that we read at Christmas time? The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Right? They saw that light up in the sky, that, that star. They followed that light. Right? And that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith in me. Keep going. 
Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And so if you fast forward, I'm done. Oh, yeah, we'll read that one too. Verse 20. But showed first unto them the, of Damascus and of Jerusalem and throughout the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Well, Paul had to repent first, didn't he? And Paul had to go through some training first, didn't he? But I believe it was like three years that he spent in the in the desert, in the wilderness. God was teaching him and preparing him, and he launched him right out into ministry. And you just go through the New Testament, and you read about Paul's life and all the stuff that he went through for the sake of the gospel. He totally left. Everything he was doing prior to that day when that sun shined down around about him. The light made all the difference. And Paul became the greatest preacher that we ever heard of. Wrote nearly all the New Testament. Right? All because of some light. And I said this Sunday, we don't know who the next Paul is going to be. We don't know who the next Lee Stone King is going to be. We don't know who the next, you think of the preacher that you know that you like to listen to. We don't know who that next one is going to be. But they might be right out there in a house in La Crosse, Wisconsin somewhere. Or somewhere in another state or in another country. But God knows who they are. And Paul thought he was getting away with stuff. But God knew exactly where he was. He shined that light. And the light made all the difference. And so we got to, we got to pray that when we get up in the morning, we get ready to walk out the door, that we're taking the light of Jesus Christ with us. And that we're shining that light to a lost world, like he was telling Paul. You're going to, and how was Paul going to do that? Through prayer. You're going to, you got to turn people. People got to get the darkness removed off of their eyes, the spiritual darkness. And the only way I know to do that is prayer. Because you can teach somebody a Bible study until you're blue in the face, but if they don't have the darkness removed, it's just going to go in here and go out here. But when I tell you what, in my life, when the darkness got removed, when somebody had somebody had to be praying that God would give my my mind understanding and and that I would receive this gospel because it just it clicked one day. And after that, it was all over. And it's never been the same since. That light, that revelation, that understanding of who Jesus was and the need for that baptism, the need for the Holy Ghost in my life, it all came clear. And some of us, as I'm saying that, you're saying that to yourself. I remember that day when it all came clear. And so we, we just need to pray. There's a lot of people in this city and around this area that just need the darkness taken away and the light. And you know, those people, Ananias and all those Jews, they were praying. And I think I said this Sunday, they were praying for God to take Paul out. That guy, he's, he's killing us, God. He's, he's just literally killing us. And he's just, he's persecuting us, God. Just, would you just get rid of him? God said, nope. I got a purpose for him. And then he told Ananias, you're going to go tell him. 
God, why can't you tell him? I am going to tell him through you. And so God's going to use us like Ananias to go tell somebody like that. Like, you know, the biker guy or somebody that doesn't even look like they even can spell Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not being, you know, negative toward those kind of people, but you know what I'm saying. In our mind, we're thinking there's no way. But God's going, on. I got something for that man to do. You go talk to him. We just need to go do it. Amen? Shine that light. Like my friend in Okinawa that said, I, I, I was waiting for you to say something. What took you so long? They're out there. They're waiting. They're hungry. They're thirsty. we got to go to them with the light. Amen? Father, we love you tonight. We praise you tonight. We thank you for your goodness.